I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2021 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series supported by the Andersons. In today's program, we get insight into some of the early lessons, expectations, and innovations that initially shaped the strip-till transition on FWR Farms in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to the Andersons for their support of this podcast series. A nutrient management program is essential to maximize crop productivity and yields. The key is providing the right nutrients at the right time throughout the growing season. The Anderson's high yield programs make it easy to plan a season long approach for many row and specialty crops. Download yours today at andersonsplantnutrient.com slash high yield. Brian Nell doesn't like to get comfortable, especially when it comes to managing his family's 2,200 acre farm operation in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Comfortable can lead to complacency, and for years, FWR Farms was content to continue the conventional tillage practices, which had become standard operating procedure. But gradually, broader interest and transition into conservation tillage practices reshaped the landscape in the area, and Ryan's research into strip-till fueled their entry into the practice in 2015. Despite some initial challenges, Ryan saw the potential in the practice and began transforming their farm's philosophy to embrace soil building efforts, which have translated to more consistent results for corn and soybeans. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast brought to you by the Andersons, we share excerpts from our on-farm conversation with Ryan, who candidly shares some of the reasoning and results of the farm's early experience with strip-till to include equipment setups, berm building, and nutrient management. We farm about 2,200 acres now. We actually just got out of dairy farming February 16th, so the cattle were just sold. We still have about 500 head of Angus beef steers that we'll be raising, but got out of the dairy, so that definitely changed a lot of the management, timing type stuff. I mean, more time, (laughs) Uh, less weekends, hopefully. But uh, mostly now we're corn, bean, wheat, um, we still do have some alfalfa that we're selling off the field for this year. And maybe going forward, we uh, partnered up with a local dairy that was looking for the alfalfa. So it worked out great. So we've been strip till since 2015. We bought yeah, The strip till bar showed up summer of 15. And uh, it was a Kuhn Kraus 12-row gladiator with a twin bin Montag on top of it. Um, our initial plan was to strip till for all our soybeans in the fall or strip to all the corn stalks in the fall for soybeans, and then uh, just plant into that seed bed for the next spring. The first fall to say the word nightmare would probably be a understatement. We did not have a strong enough tractor, hydraulic or horsepower wise to pull it. We had issues with some of the Montag stuff, with some chains, some of the hoses, and being a twin bin, it was 24 hoses on a 12. I mean, it, it was hoses coming everywhere. But that fall, we, we, so we had some issues hydraulically with the tractor that we didn't identify. We just didn't know. Um, we got through it, but uh, it was definitely, we learned a lot in that first year. Um, when it came the next spring for planting, we were very happy with planting beans into that. Uh, we knew right then and there that the struggle was going to be worth it. Um, I guess that's kind of always been our motto is the struggle in the fall is worth it in the spring. 
So 2016, that summer, we actually took the Montag off. Um, that was actually one piece. It worked really well. We variable rated potash and map in two different bins. That part worked really well. It was just logistics of getting the fertilizer. You know, it was only three ton of potash at a time, trying to get everything done. You know, it, it was just, we weren't set up properly for that at the time. So we took the Montag off and actually purchased a, uh, uh, a variable rate spreader. And then since then, we've been variable rating our potash and map separately for each field. So each field, I build my own prescriptions. Um, each field gets its own variable rate map. And a lot of our fields are a lot different because of the dairy, the stuff that had manure. Fertility is probably not as needed as much where the stuff that hasn't seen manure, we have to manage a little differently. So from then on out, so, so that was 2015, 16, um, the goal was to strip till everything for soybeans. We actually used a different tractor. Um, it was actually an older articulate that we uh, actually tightened everything up a little bit on it. And, you know, it actually worked really well. The horsepower, everything, we were very happy with it. Um, did what, that. What were you guys uh, running? What kind of tractor? Was an 8770 John okay. Deere. Okay. So definitely a tractor that was not built for auto steer, but it did a very good job. Cheap horsepower is what we call them. How much, uh, how many horses? It, it's a uh, 300 engine, okay. but uh, I called it a 240 drawbar horsepower, which was giving me about 20 horsepower per shank. Power wise, I mean, you always want more power, but it, it satisfied everything we wanted. So then going forward, you know, with strip till, we started learning a lot more with uh, managing corn stalks. So we used to run a chopping corn head on everything. And then we run stalk stompers. Um, the issue we ran into for a few years with that was the double windrow effect of the chopping corn heads. Throws everything to one side. If it was damp or any type of situation, we would plug in that row. This was very common for, we, got, we actually have a lot of neighbors in our area that strip till. You talk chopping corn heads and everyone's like, yes, they totally understand that. You talk to a tillage guy or a no-till guy, it doesn't really mean anything to them. So for a few years, we shut the chopping corn head off and just left them longer, but we still use stalk stompers. We really liked that for strip tilling. We felt the, the Kuhn Krause did a very good job in that. I always joked, I could run that Kuhn Krause, I could go through a tree with it and it wouldn't plug, but light fluffy stalks, I could run into some issues. So it worked out really well that way. Um, but after about two years, we started to notice just from a residue standpoint, when we would strip till the soybean stubble in the fall, there's still a lot of corn stalk left. We wanted to somehow manage that a little better. So actually this last fall, fall of 20, we put on, Deer came out with a, a, a new roll called the Romax. It's kind of a Calmers type roll, but it's Deer's own version. And they had a promotion where they were selling them for like 50% for two rows. So we put it on row seven and eight of our eight row corn head. And I shut the chopping part off on seven and eight. So I was actually chopping the stalks on one through six, and then I shut it off on seven and eight. So actually looks the same, except the residue on seven and eight falls straight down rather than windrowing it. We plugged two times on a total of, I think we went over 1600 acres last fall. So very happy. I feel like we kind of have that part figured out now. Still have the option if I want to chop, I can turn it back on. Kind of a little bit of a Frankenstein setup, but I feel like in strip till, it's, it's a niche market where you need, you need to build something to work for your system. So I've been very happy with that so far. What, what kind of a combine do you guys run? So we run John Deere um, 9870 combine okay. um, and then an eight roll corn head. And then basically now, I mean, for, for, be, for beans, it's pretty much we've gotten to this point where, you know, it's, it's 
We don't wait till the combine's done when you strip, you know, we, we've tried to follow right behind the combine as much as possible. We have two of us or three of us that'll run the strip till bar. We've actually gotten to the point on some years, if rain's coming, we'll shut the combine down in an afternoon to get caught up on everything else. Because strip stripping in dry conditions is so much better than stripping when the ground's a little froze and you're trying to get through it and it's just a, it's not ideal. So I'd rather combine in that condition, it's not strip till. Um, so that's been the bean side of it. Corn, the first year, I think we had 100 acres of soybean stubble that we stripped for corn. Um, we do not have any fertilizer on the planter. Um, so it was a little bit of a concern of, you know, the warming effect and, you know, we were still doing tillage for our corn. The first year we liked what we saw. I mean, it was, it was you know, the, the, just the consistency of the stand. I think that's someone that moves to strip till, I think especially fall strip, that's the thing you'll notice is just the consistency of emergence and the consistency of the whole field. You know, we did not have any real side-by-sides comparing tillage, you know, whatnot. It probably took us until about 2018 to really start committing more acres to do it. And a lot of it just came down to time. Um, with the machine that we had, spring or fall strips is what we wanted to do. You know, there was quite a few years there. I mean, 17, 18, 19 were not some of the greatest, easiest springs. So to even try spring strip till would be, to say, a nightmare. Um, and we had two field cultivators. So it's just like, just, just work it. That's fine. We, we know we did not like working the ground. You know, strip till for beans, no brainer. We, won't, we didn't want to do anything but that. I hated doing full tillage for soybeans. Um, but then in 20, spring of 2020, um, we actually, the sp- I mean, it's such a beautiful spring. We did spring strips with a Kuhn Kraus Gladiator. We actually had, we put notches in the shanks to go from six inches to four inches. Um, and all we were doing is just making strips, no fertilizer, nothing like that. We were just going out there to make strips. And we probably stripped 25% of our ground um, using that machine in the spring. And we were very happy with how it worked out. Very happy. And uh, we were able, being at four inches, we used a different tractor, less horsepower, a front wheel assist. So the auto steer is maybe a little better. What, what did you guys run for the spring strip till? Uh, an 8400. Okay. Older 8400, not the new ones, sure. the older ones. Um, it was actually the tractor that we originally used in 2015. It worked, but you couldn't get speed. You didn't have hydraulics. It was just too small, but worked great for the spring doing that. So we're in 2020, 2019, I struggled just to get the corn stalks stripped in the fall of 19. And we had a lot of prevent plant in 19 and we put cover crops on. We were about one third prevent plant in 2019. And I was putting cover crops on, I think until, I think it was like July 21st. I don't ever want to do 2019 again. My wife was like, aren't you done yet? And no, I that whole summer just... I felt like I was in the sprayer for nine months of the year, a planter or drill. Then it was right into, it just, I don't want to do 2019 over again. Um, So for the fall of 2020, which would be last year, we uh, basically said we want to move to all strip till. We were to the point now where, you know, we, you know, we just, we knew we wanted to move in that direction. Uh, Fall of 19 or fall of 20, uh, we actually bought a new tractor. We went to an 8530 John Deere, which uh, gave me the horsepower, the front wheel assist, the IVT, um, an awesome matchup, like perfect matchup for that strip toe bar. Just the speed, power, everything, extremely happy. Um, so we stripped, I'd say, 80% of our corn ground for 2021. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, last fall was awesome. I think I did the majority of the strip till. It was, just, it was one of those fall. You don't get those falls where it's like, oh, we're done. You know, we could we could do some more if we wanted mm-hmm. to. But uh, so yeah, that was 2020, and now moving into 21, we actually ordered another strip till bar. We actually just ordered a uh, a 12 row new Dawn Gen 5 Pluribus. We do have rocks in our area, and uh, some of the ground that we're starting to strip till has not been strip tilled before. So we're kind of getting some, maybe this alfalfa ground out of the rotation um, or wheat or whatnot, but we're putting more corn bean on area that we haven't in the past. We just, we wanted another machine to cover those, to cover the acres in the fall was getting to be hard on. I mean, just, I was tired. I'm not going to lie. Last fall, 1600 acres. I was tired. We had COVID during, like my family got hit in October. Right in the middle of bean harvest. So both we had two we have two combines for beans and we were just trying to keep going and I'm trying to strip till and I'm just like, I, I can't keep I I was tired. And we knew we wanted to get into another bar and we felt um the pluribus would give us a good fall and spring option. I have a neighbor who's got the Gen 5 who he had a Gen 4 for the fall, and when he went to the Gen 5, he just would make the comment, he's like, it's 10 times the machine in the fall. He's like, it's that much better for the fall than what the Gen 4 was. So been able to see what he's been doing with it. And, you know, we wanted to go to a second machine and we had the tractors to be able to run a Dawn. So ordered a second machine. Um, not sure going forward how, what, you know, what machine's going to run what, or, you know, I still really like the shank for building the berms in the fall. Um, but it's some of these rockier fields where, you know, it, it's just going to be nice to have the dawn to not have to worry about rocks and cover the acres in a more timely, you know, not every year is going to be like 2020 where it's like, oh, we got all sorts of time. We could do all sorts of things. It's not like that. So to have the ability to run two bars um, in the fall is going to really be able to speed things up. Or just if the windows are real tight. I mean, I, I to say we should be able to cover 400 acres a day with two machines in the fall shouldn't be out of line. You know, I, I, I now that we're going even faster now with our Coon Kraus, um, when you start talking seven, eight, nine miles an hour, you can cover some ground. So that's been kind of our transition into strip till. We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, the Andersons, for making this podcast possible. A nutrient management program is essential to maximize crop productivity and yields. The key is providing the right nutrients at the right time throughout the growing season. The Andersons high yield programs make it easy to plan a season long approach for many row and specialty crops. Download yours today at andersonsplantnutrient.com slash high yield. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from our recent visit with Ryan Nell, talking about his preference for fall strips and preparing an ideal seedbed for spring planting. We definitely like the fall strips. That's been something that, um, you know, we kind of been talking about. It's like, you know, some guys really like spring versus fall. We really like just getting a, if you can make a good strip in the fall, you know, if you can make a bad strip, that's, that's different. But if you can make a good strip in the fall, that is really worth a lot. That, that's, that's the, you know, that's just as important, just as important as planting. So we kind of looked, we thought about maybe doing some other things, maybe building a bigger bar just for spring for the soybean stubble. But, uh, this spring kind of really showed again, why we like the fall strips was 
you know, my, my grandpa was passing and was in hospice care. So my dad and uncle and mom really were not around much. Not, I mean, it wasn't a one man show, but just go plant. You, you know, you didn't have to, we, we have two planters. Another guy uh, runs my 12 row when he's done working. And we were done in such a timely fashion. Did, we weren't pushed, but it was just strips are made, fields ready, go plant. And a lot of other guys, I mean, you know, I have a neighbor who no-tills. He couldn't quite get out there at the same time. The full tillage guys are just, you know, it was still wet underneath. And we're just planting on strips. And the, the, the guy that runs my bean planter, the, the word that we use this year for planting, especially the beans, was garden. I asked him, I go like, so how many, how many beans do you think he actually mudded in this year? He said there was two rows along a marsh that were maybe a little sticky. But he said other than that, for all the acres, he's like, it was... It was garden-like this year. It really was. Um, so this spring basically just gave us the reassurance of you have this. this there's there's no going back. You know, I, I don't like. You know, we, we still had to chisel some manure ground stuff like that last fall, and we GPS I think at thirteen point nine feet at six miles an hour. What a waste of time, <laughs> energy, fuel, equipment, and then run a fuel cultivator in the spring. My, my dad actually ran the fuel cultivator this spring on, I mean, this was the least amount of acres we ever fuel cultivated. We had some for corn. It was like, we just, we VT'd soybean stubble in the fall. And it was like, what's the point of working to just go plant it? It was so dry. The tillage was not going to gain you anything. So we just planted into it. And I mean, this is by far, I'll have to, I'll do an acreage report to figure out. But I mean, if we worked 10% of our ground, and that's including a new farm that we bought that was so rough, we had to work it. Um, so it's just one of those in the springtime. It's just, maybe it's the millennial in me, but I don't want to work that hard anymore. You know, I'll work that hard in the fall, but yeah, to run field cultivators and all that stuff, make dust and, you know, erosion, compaction. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, whether there's even, you know, I'm not going to stand here and say strip till corn. Oh, there's a huge yield advantage, strip till versus one or the other. I don't think I'm going to say that, but I'm just happy. Our fuel guy is going to freak out this spring. Well, we got rid of the cattle, so we don't have a chopper or chop. You know, none, there's none of that other stuff. But I think we put two tanks of fuel in our fuel cultivator tractor this spring. You know, it used to be we had two big eight-wheelers that did spring tillage. Now it's just fill up the planters. That was the only fuel being used. Um, just, just the labor side of it. I mean, you could cover so many more acres in a timely fashion. Um, and the planting conditions were phenomenal. I mean, you go dig in some of these and it's just, we, you know, it, it, we were dry there for a little while, I'm not going to lie. We had adequate moisture. There was never a time, you know, I was more worried about rain. We had some beans that we planted in December, end of March, and then early April. I wanted rain for those. There was, it was kind of getting to be a little crusting issue where I'm like, I kind of need some rain. You know, I'm more worried about those beans than I am, uh, the corn and everything, but, uh, I mean, it, it was just one of those, it was glad we made the transition. You know, there's a few tweaks we're talking about doing on the planners, things that we want to maybe upgrade to better utilize the strip till and the use of our planners. So a lot of, a lot of times in the fall, you look, it's like, gosh, it doesn't look you're doing much. But then you go out there and move the residue out of the way and you're like, oh yeah, there's the berm. It, it's there. It's just the corn stalks or residue might be a little bit more on the sides than you'd like to see. You know, you, you want that beautiful, big, you know, big, beautiful black berm in the fall. But when it really comes down to it, it doesn't seem to matter. 
Um, it might just be something that, you know, at the, it's, it's in the moment type thing in the fall where it's just like, well, I can hardly see where I went, but then come next spring you're planting on it and you're like, well, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I know we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the, uh, set up with the planner and that you guys, you know, aren't putting that starter mm -hmm. down. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about just, uh, what you guys are putting down with the strip tail rig and, and how you're kind of, uh, dividing or, you know, so we do not put any fertilizer on with the strip till bar right now. Um, would I like to? Yes. It came down to management slash just having to get the job done. Um, we do not have our own fertilizer tender. So we were relying on local co-op to bring, and you didn't know what tender you were going to get and trying to hit the damn hole with the, you know, there was just a lot of things that, I mean, it worked, it did, it put it, put it in the, you know, I like that, but it was a big, it was just, it was too much for one year. It came, then with the wet falls, we were more, the strip was more important to us than the fertilizer in the row. We bought our own variable rate spreader, um, which does take time, but you can spread 10, 12, 13 months, whatever, as fast as you want to go, and you're doing 80 feet at a time, and we could variable rate accordingly. Uh, a lot of our ground, I, I don't like running a mix because a lot of our ground um, from phosphorus because of manure, I don't need map for a lot of years or maybe just a little bit in the area that the spreader never went. Potash, I feel like every soil in Wisconsin is um, slightly depleted on potash. So to run a blend on some of those, I'm like, well, I it, it was hard to run a blend where it's like I, my soil um, test don't call for this, but I'm putting it on. So trying to figure that out. Um, going forward, you know, I have some ideas in the future. You know, we'll see how this dawn works. If if I feel it is adequate to what the Kuhn Krause is in the fall, I could see a 24 row dawn with like the black dawn one where it's built in. Maybe then going back to a single bin fertilizer, I'll run a, a run you know, when I did it the first year, I was still putting, I was putting a lot of fertilizer on. Um, and what I've learned with strip tills, I probably would just go down to a crop removal in the strip in the fall. Um, rather than putting some of these higher amounts, you know, I, I set limits on what I put potash and map on, um, which are all my own prescriptions that I set them with. And the first year we did it, I was running those high numbers with the strip till bar. That wasn't necessary. You know, that was something I learned where I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, we cut our fertilizer bill, but I just feel in strip till that wouldn't be necessary to run those higher numbers. Don't worry. I, I've ran the numbers, especially with fertilizer going up. It's like, you know, I probably could save thousands of dollars by putting the strip till bar back on. It just comes down to, I don't have that full-time guy right now. Um, if I had the full-time guy, absolutely the Montag would be on it. No questions asked. That's how we're putting a fertilizer on. Um, but I don't have that guy. Um, like I said, the 24 row Dawn, it, it, that, you know, a 24 row shanks, just not horsepower. It's, it's not in the cards, but a 24 row Dawn, you know, it's, I, I talked to AJ at Dawn quite a bit. Um, very valuable to be able to talk directly to him. And we talked a little bit about it and then what well, the price is, the price, everything's gone up. And I asked him like, so what do you think a price of a 24 row would be? And I mean, he, I'll tell you, but he, he was like, he's like, you're probably going to be pushing 325,000. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, we don't even own a tractor worth that much. <laughs> right. um, but it comes down to what the value can add. I mean, if you can cover strips eight, nine, 10 miles an hour in the fall and put your P and K on in the strip, 
and it gives you the option of putting some of that in the spring. It's like, that is a very valuable tool. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it is nice with our strip till bars having no fertilizer on them. They're clean, no rust. Um, and like I said, the, ver the, the variable rate spreader, it's the guy that runs it. He also runs my bean planter. That's kind of his job in the fall. He gets done with work at 3.30. I can have 24 ton of fertilizer sitting there. He knows the prescriptions, knows how to do it. It's spread. I don't have to worry about it. He does a great job. You know, it's taken care of. Um, so what kind of spreader do you guys have? We have a Chandler. What is it? Like a, like a 10 ton okay. Chandler. It's a, it's a lime, lime and fertilizer spreader. Okay. Um, we had, we used to have a dedicated just lime spreader and it wasn't variable rate in two We bought that, I think in like 2009, we spread a lot of lime from like 2010 to 2014. And that's when we got in a variable rate unit, but it was poor man's. I mean, I made a real nice map where it's like, okay, two ton here, three ton over, you know, it, it worked. I mean, that, that spreader paid for itself and then some, but uh, then when we bought this one, we want, we had the ability to variable rate. Um, but now since those, those first four or five years, we really were fixing areas. I mean, there, there was issues. I'm not gonna deny that things that should have been addressed and just weren't getting done. Um, I came back to the farm in 2010 after college, so timing and everything, and I could build the prescriptions to do it. So we, we really don't have a lot of lime. It's a little stuff now, maybe a semi-load up here, you know, just, just fixing, just maintenance as we'll call it. Um, but then still we use it for P and K, and then I also use it for urea in the spring on the wheat ground. But we've kind of transitioned, I guess, the other thing with strip-till when it comes to fertility, my, my, uh, just some neighbors that do it is, how do you manage your nitrogen? You know, if we were in an area where anhydrous, like fall anhydrous was a thing, awesome. Anhydrous doesn't exist here. Like I, 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 you go, you go to these conferences and they're like, how could you not do it without anhydrous? And I'm like, it doesn't exist in my area. I mean, I faintly remember being, I mean, I'm 33 now, faintly remember being in the strip till bar or in the, in the anhydrous bar with my dad or uncle in the spring. Faintly remember, it just doesn't exist. Our co-op, they got rid of it. Nobody, it just, they didn't want to handle it anymore. You know, if our soils, if we could do it in the fall, if I could put at least a base down in the fall, would be awesome. But doesn't exist, so I, I can't go to that option. Um, you know, a spring strip, you know, you can urea AMS or some 32. Like I said, we're just not set up for that. Um, and you still can't get big gallons on, you know, your bulk of it. So what we actually went to, um, we have a, a deer 120 foot sprayer, 1250 gallon tank, and we've gone to streaming 32% behind the planter. Um, it's an extra pass. I used to do a weed and feed. So I would do say this 25, 30 gallons of 32 with the herbicide, which worked. We did it for about two years, but what we ran into was trying to kill weeds with, in strip till, you know, I don't do, a, there's no burn down in front of this. This is the first pass. Um, with strip, or with strip till, obviously the weeds being there, like a no-till situation. Um, the high gallons of 32 was kind of torching the weeds and the, the concentration of the herbicide was lower. I wasn't getting the kills that I wanted. Um, so we actually bought these streamer nozzles for my wheat ground and I actually haven't even, I've never used them on the wheat ground yet because it's, we've just been, it's a heavier machine. So sometimes in the spring for wheat, we're usually looking for that frozen ground. That's when we spread. The tractor and fertilizer spreader are lighter. We just use that. 
So, but for the 32, it's one of those, we did it, I think two years ago, we tried it. I just streamed some of the 32 on and I really like the placement of it. So we have 15 inch nozzles and actually every row gets minimum one stream right on top of it. So it's, I look at like, you know, a lot of guys run a closing system behind the planner or, or, you know, they run it on the closing system, banding it. I'm essentially doing the exact same thing, but it's not on the planner. Um, so I've been, I've been happy with that the last two years. I, I mean, it, it, it's fast. That's the one thing I like about it. It's fast. We just did all our acres in like two days, um, right before the rain. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was like rain, please rain, please rain. I had a lot of money in 32 sitting out on top of the ground and I'm like, it better rain. So that's been working really well for putting on the nitrogen. Like I said, it's, just, it, it's fast. Are you still putting on that 25 to 30? Yes, yes. Okay. Everything's, I mean. But he took off that herbicide? Yes. Okay. I, so I separated the herbicide yep. out. Um, another nice part about that is at least, you know, the 32% when it comes to tending, they just pump 32. That's all they have to worry about. Don't worry about any herbicide. Just keep the 32 coming as fast as you can go. And herbicide now, I don't have to run the higher gallons. You know, I'll run 10, 12, usually 15, usually 15 gallons for herbicide in the spring. And my herbicide, I don't have to put it out there right away. You know, what I'm, the, the products I'm using for beans and corn, the corn stuff, the, both crops can be up and I can spray. So by s stretching that window, my residuals are going to last longer. You know, I'm not getting them out there in April. I'll wait. You know, I, I just did some beans here yesterday just because I had some leftover valor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've had it here for four years. I'm like, this is finally a spring. I'll use it up. So I went and did 200 acres of beans, but I won't do any more beans for probably a week and a half, two weeks. You know, we'll see what the weather gives us or what the uh, what the weed pressure starts looking like. But same same thing on corn. You know, I, I am not. I don't have to get out there. I do have a couple fields that um, they've had manure the last couple of years, or they had tillage. Now we're fine. You know, new land like the land that we bought that will haul manure, been fixing stuff like that. Now we like to fix it nice transition to strip till, then there's no more management involved. Um, I'm kind of a, what's the, like a, do the damage the first two years and then let's fix. You know, load it with manure. Let's get that fixed. Tile it. Let's get the rocks out. Let's get the trees down. Um, will I be causing compaction? Absolutely. But then it's that, it's, then we, we start to, then let's start the healing process, you know. Strip till, we are doing more with cover crops. Well, thank you, Ryan, for taking time to share some of your early strip till experiences. And stay tuned for part two, where we'll talk more about some of the innovative strip till experiments he's attempted. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, the Andersons, for helping make this strip till farmer podcast series possible. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessetermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies daily e-blast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptill, F-A-R-M-R, and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2021 podcast series. For Ryan Nell, the Andersons, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.